I'm Michael Pauley, and this is Faith in Politics. On this broadcast, we range from the soul to the state as we cultivate those virtues and explore those principles that help us live well as faithful Catholics in this great land. Well, good day, everyone. This is our first new episode in a while because I've been working long days during the 2023 session of the South Dakota legislature. Uh, The session officially ended on March 27th when the legislature gathered for its final business of the year, which was the consideration of legislation that was vetoed by the governor. Um, This was a busy session. Uh, The South Dakota Catholic Conference was involved in a whole broad array of issues ranging from subjects like gambling, abortion, marijuana, gender ideology, and uh, educational choice. And I thought about trying to do a podcast where we cover every single issue uh, that we tackle during the session, but it seems impractical. So in lieu of that, I thought a better approach would be to do a series of podcasts where we focus on one policy area at a time, just allows us to get in a little more deep rather than having a superficial discussion. So to kick this off, in today's episode, we're gonna talk about legislation related to marijuana policy. And this was a major topic during the 2023 legislative session as it has been in previous years. Um, I know some of our listeners are probably wondering how can it continue to be a major topic year after year after year? Um, and to, to help us answer that question, we've got a really uh, terrific guest uh, to help us unpack it. Uh, he's not only a subject matter expert, but also a good friend. And so I'm pleased to welcome Jim Kenyon to the program today. As some of our listeners will recall, Jim is the chairman of Protecting South Dakota Kids, uh, which is an advocacy group that we're going to hear more about during our conversation. Uh, But he also wears many other hats. Jim serves as executive director of Catholic Social Services in Rapid City. He's a licensed uh, professional counselor of mental health and also a licensed marriage and family therapist. Uh, Jim, welcome to the program. Welcome. Good to good to be here, Michael. And just very grateful for the opportunity. Very grateful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for making time for us. So just to kick us off, uh, let's talk about protecting South Dakota kids and its mission. Uh, some of our uh, listeners with longer memories will probably recall that protecting South Dakota kids was the name of the campaign group that formed to oppose initiated measure 27 and that was the proposal uh, that we saw in last year's election in 2022 uh, that would legalize recreational uh, marijuana in south dakota measure 27 failed uh, which we're grateful for and so we can say that protecting south dakota kids met its objective but you and the rest of the leadership team uh, at the organization decided to form this into a permanent group. So just share with our listeners, why have you done this and what are your objectives? You know, to be perfectly honest, I think it, I think it's the same reason why Christ decided to form a church, right? Same basic reason. Um, because God has a plan and sometimes the devil has a plan. Um, and and not, not to associate, you know, everybody that disagrees with you as, as, as the devil. Um, but, you know, there's a persistent industry interest here. And that industry's interest is to make a profit. And um, they're kind of relentless. Um, they are pretty committed to their to their objective. 
And to be real honest with you, um, you know, we, we would have been very, very grateful to sit there and say, okay, this is the third time we voted on this in the state of South Dakota and rejected recreational marijuana. And it has happened three times. So the third time's the charm. There's strike out, put them on the sidelines. But that's not what the industry does. The industry has an objective. And, um, and, and that objective is to make sure that they can create access to as many people for their product as they possibly can. And, and so immediately after the, after the last legislative, first thing we heard was there was going to be a ballot initiative. The next thing we knew that would happen would be there'd be a huge legislative push. If they can't get their will accomplished by overriding the will of the people, then they certainly were going to go around and they were going to try and make this a legislative issue. And so that's what they've done. And, and the, the tactics are as sorted as they could be, Michael. I mean, to be honest with you. You know, to sit there and say, can you imagine setting up a medical clinic to approve people for medical marijuana in a strip club <laughs> or in a bar? <laughs> um, you know, it's a little it's not a the, little amazing, you know, not the usual take, place you'd go to meet a doctor. <laughs> yeah. You know, not every day. And I don't know. Not, Michael, I, I might live in a very small world, but that is not a part of what I would anticipate. You know, I wouldn't anticipate that we'd have pop-up clinics. We wouldn't have anticipated that they would create Delta 8 and Delta 10, which is a variation on the marijuana product um, that is not covered by law and which is right now being sold at a lot of our local businesses and a lot of our convenience stores. Um, That has a THC level. That's a dangerous, harmful product that's highly addictive. So the simple answer is um, we would have been happy to say that the third time's the charm. Um, the industry isn't willing to do that. And the one yeah. qualification you didn't bring up, Michael, that make us especially qualified to talk about this subject is we're both parents. Yes. We understand yeah, that what you put into the system, the toxicity that goes in the system. Uh, Fred Deutsche, who, who's a great promoter and a strong friend and a member, of, um, refers to uh, libertarians as this. They're conservatives that haven't had children yet. Yes, I I like I've heard that expression and I I like it. Having children changes things. So I have four daughters. You have two, right? Uh, yes, I do. <laughs> and what wouldn't we be willing to do to preserve and protect those kids? And yeah. that was what yes. resonated with voters. When protecting South Dakota kids asked every mom and dad, every grandma and grandpa, to get to their feet, to defend their children to defend their community, to defend their families. We had people come out of the woodwork from all over. Uh, makes me proud of my state. Yeah. Well, and and speaking of coming out of the woodwork, I, I know you and I have had a previous conversation about this where prior to your becoming involved in fighting the Measure 27 last year, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, you weren't really involved in politics. So tell tell us a little bit about what uh, made you want to jump into this, uh, the turbulent waters of politics. You know, and, and I would be careful about saying I, I wanted to jump into it. I think it came out of necessity, to be real honest with you. And, and Michael, unlike yourself, who had been swimming in the po- political waters for a long time, and, and it's a very challenging place, and I'm learning a lot. I have learned a tremendous amount. And one of the more important things I've learned is to have tremendous respect for our legislators and tremendous respect for people like you. I've been a provider. 
What I do is I love to work with families that come in that are struggling, marriages that are struggling, working with addicts. I've done that for 33 years, one-on-one working with individuals and helping restore hope and life and helping some of those folks um, become who they were intended to be from the beginning of time and God's great plan for creation. He deliberates and brings us all in. And it's a great honor to do all that. But it's kind of like um, saving that starfish. You know, I saved one starfish at a time, but when I looked at what was going to happen with recreational marijuana, when I looked at the impact that marijuana's had in the states, like where you come from, right? Oregon, mm-hmm. Washington, California, and Colorado. Um, beautiful cities. Like, I, I just got back from Washington, D.C. I can't believe what I, what I witnessed. And I've been to Washington, D.C. many, many times. Um, but what's happened to those once great communities... Um, I just decided that if I was going to care about fish, I had to clean up, I'd care about clean water. And yeah. out of necessity, I can't step back and stand back and let the influences that are pushing our communities. And unlike any time, I think in my lifetime, the challenges that Christians, that families, that school districts are facing, the challenges are unprecedented. Yes. I, I, yeah. And, and yeah, more yeah, people yeah. like me that sit on the sidelines and, and do our Sunday morning quarterbacking, um, who, who, are, who are frustrated with this political issue and that political issue, but not willing to stand in the fray. Yeah. Um, Jesus doesn't allow that. And Catholics are not called to be, um, to be Amish. <laughs> yeah. We are yeah. not hands well, off. I- yeah, well, I oftentimes like to uh, point to uh, the the words uh, of the Lord's Prayer that we say every uh, uh, Sunday in Mass, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And when I hear that prayer, I don't hear any brackets after that phrase and that says, Thy will be done, but not in the hallways of the legislature, or Thy will be done, but not in corporate America, or not in the advertising industry, or in all of these realms of society that we sort of compartmentalize and uh, and say, oh, that's that's off limits. You know, Christians, you know, shouldn't go there. And I I don't see that uh, in the Lord's Prayer. Uh, so, well, speaking about the realm of politics, uh, let let's talk about what happened uh, this year. So, 2023 legislative session. We see, um, by my count, about a dozen bills related to marijuana, and uh, they were pretty much across the political spectrum. I mean, there were some bills uh, that were supported by protecting South Dakota kids that were trying to maybe put some uh, some safeguards and tighten the regulations concerning marijuana. Uh, but we also had some bills supported by the marijuana industry that sought to loosen our laws. And so we had a real tug of war going on this session. And there's just, we, there's no way we can have time to go over a, a dozen different bills. But I thought maybe just to give our listeners a a sense about what the debate is like in Pierre. Uh, maybe you could just talk about uh, one of the bills that was supported by your organization and and one of the bills that were opposed and why these are significant. Yeah, you know, there, there are many bills that we could talk about. I mean, there, there's, there was efforts, it was very, very challenging legislature. And to be perfectly honest, again, as a new infant organization, we're learning and growing. Um, but I never would have anticipated that the that the marijuana industry would have sent between six and nine lobbyists a day 
to continue to hound Amazing. to hound all of our legislators and to continue to push despite the will of the people to extend their product into our communities and and affect our and, and affect our our families um that it's relentless there's a lot of money to be made and this is a multi-billion dollar industry and um they have they have deep interests but that interest doesn't necessarily parallel with what the best interest of our families are aren't in the best interest of what the safety and security of our communities are and certainly aren't in line with what the church teaches us about about um, recreational drug and use and the one beautiful thing is the richness of our catholic heritage um you know to be able to step back and say do you want to know what this isn't just about freedom and liberty um in fact really what it's about is the freedom to do the right thing and to not engage people in an addictive substance that mires them and 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 marginalize their capacity to become the god-given person that they've been called to be um that's not what this is about this is really about yeah. uh, us beginning to say oh no 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 um we need to be the watchers of the tower we need to be the defender of life we need to be the advocate for the poor for the disabled for the addicted um that's who the church is um and so it's a huge rich heritage one of those bills just to just to kind of talk about was an effort to try and revise the medical marijuana oversight committee which was house bill or senate bill 134 um and to try to to try and work with that group to address um the issue that that basically the marijuana industry wrote our bill and then they pulled together a uh, a very um pro um industry marijuana um oversight committee um, that has not done a very good job of defending our families or our rights or keeping our community safe. And so a bill was written. Actually, I have to thank um, Senator Duhamel because she was one of the leaders of, of accomplishing that in our state to bring forth a bill to say, no, 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 that oversight needs to include a counselor. It needs to include um, some some individuals from law enforcement who have expertise to make sure that we keep our cities safe. Um, and it should involve some educational expertise and you know fortunately that was one of the few bills that we got through and primarily it's because it didn't go through the department of health and human services uh the senate uh, health and human services committee which is stacked in our opposition yeah um, literally yeah, it is filled with folks who, who 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 don't understand south dakota's values or a tradition so that would be one of those yeah. bills that fortunately we got through yeah, and and there was another bill um, that uh, I think it's uh, House Bill eleven twenty nine, which was intended to try to address this uh, phenomena of what we might call pop up clinics. Can you share a little bit about that with our listeners? You know, and this is what I'm saying. I mean, we have to understand the nature of the people proposing this. So, like I mentioned before, you know, we have pop up clinics and strip bars and 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 in and bars in general. You know, some of their advertising are the whiskey made me do it. <laughs> you know, you just go to yourself. Um, you know, they guarantee a card. In fact, they won't pay for the service if they don't give you a card. And right on their own websites, they openly make a statement that literally uh, no one, not a single person, has been denied a card, and they've been and they get them with in, in five minutes or less. So it didn't matter what your qualifying disease would be. You would come in and they would guarantee you a card. And there's something a little yeah. wrong with them. 
and and they yeah. had crazy yeah. advertising like like two first um bring a friend and get half off on your product you're just stepping back and you're going like do you know any other drug that's regulated that can you imagine yeah. if i went to go get uh, morphine and and the doctor said hey if you bring a friend um we'll give you we'll give your we'll give you your morphine for half cost what kind of medical yeah. practice would that be yeah and, and, and yeah. no dosage and and some of them if you if you want three months of uh, a card to give you authorization for the product cost you this much but if you want a six-month card it costs you more yes yeah what what kind I, of medical well, practice is that it's it's very curious jim and the, what what you pointed out and i've seen these ads with my own eyes because otherwise i I wouldn't believe that this is actually happening, but you do see these ads that say, we'll get you your medical marijuana card in just five minutes. Well, when I go and see my chiropractor, who I see on a regular basis, they can't even get my adjustment done in five minutes, you know, but to think about somebody actually doing a comprehensive physical exam, uh, questioning the the patient about their medical history, warning them about the interactions, you know, uh, with this drug versus other drugs. It just it's 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 inconceivable that this is quality patient care, even if you um, uh, completely buy into the notion that there is uh, a legitimate medical use for marijuana, which is disputed, of course. So, so what we're really saying is. I know what South Dakota tried to pass, and that was a medically regulated uh, product for a limited number of patients. But we've gotten a whole different thing, and the industry yeah. has got, is got essentially de facto um, recreational marijuana going on in our community. And what yeah. protecting South Dakota kids is doing is to try to say, no, 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 no. We need just like any other mood altering drug. We need to have some regulations in that provide for the safety of the patients. And the, for the safety of our kids, that's what yeah. this is all about. Yeah. Well, and and just as as kind of a note, uh, since uh, not all of our listening audience is Catholic, but obviously a, a, a rather large percentage is. Uh, what does the church say about this? Well, uh, Catechism of the Catholic Church, uh, paragraph two two nine one says the use of drugs inflicts very grave damage on human health and life. Their use, except on strictly therapeutic grounds, is a grave offense. And so, uh, and that's really uh, kind of encapsulates this debate that we have over what's going on with marijuana in our state is that the church is saying that, yes, you you know, there is a legitimate use of drugs on strictly therapeutic grounds, but the evidence is growing that um, that's not what we're seeing with this medical marijuana program. When you see advertisements saying you can qualify for a card in five minutes, um, this doesn't sound even remotely like, um, you know, a legitimate medical use of a drug. I want to segue um, into uh, a little bit of a different area, and, and it just it kind of has to do with public perceptions of this whole debate. Um, and let, let me set it up this way. Uh, there's this national survey on drug use and health data, um, gathers data about substance use and substance abuse. And according to this survey, in South Dakota, 87% of South Dakotans report they haven't used marijuana in the previous year. So the, the, the point is, is that 
the, the vast majority of people in this state are not using marijuana, at least not on, you know, any kind of a regular basis. And it's sort of a hunch on my part, but I think that a large, for a large chunk of these people, and I'm talking about the folks where marijuana is just not part of their daily lives, they just wish this issue would go away. They're tired of hearing about it. They they just think, golly, when are we going to stop talking about this marijuana issue? And I worry about those folks because I think that a lot of them are tempted to actually vote in favor of marijuana legalization, thinking in their head that, man, if I just vote to legalize it, then it can bring an end to this debate and the issue will just go away. Um, and maybe we could call this uh, symptom marijuana malaise, you know, just sort of exhaustion at dealing with the issue. I sometimes, I'll confess, there are times when I feel a little bit of that myself, like, golly, gee, we have so many, you know, problems and issues that we could be dealing with, but we're focusing on marijuana. But so my question to you is, why should South Dakotans care about marijuana? What are the consequences for our state if we sort of turn a, a blind eye to this issue? Michael, and, and that's the challenge. There's, there's, other, there's some of us that do have to deal with this every day, whether we like it or not. I wish there was not addiction. At worst, there weren't broken homes. I wish there weren't kids who were struggling to get through school. I wish that more of our people were emotionally, psychologically capable of being able to work. Um, these are all the issues that, that I deal with every day and, and kids at JSC and out of control and violent behavior and, and all those kinds of things. Um, and, and boy, if I could, if I could just take a magic wand and, and solve all those problems, right? But the one thing I really do want us to see is that many of you sit in pews with people that are invisible and you don't know that. And so I'm really privileged. I live right across the street from the wonderful cathedral here in Rapid City, South Dakota. And I walk across there every day and I go to mass. And I sit in there and part of me didn't want to do this either. I don't have time or energy or finance or resource to do this. And every person that lobbied on behalf of protecting South Dakota kids None of us got paid. None of us asked for a dime to cover our mileage, our meals, our overnight lodging. We know what this means. Many of us live with this reality every day. But sitting in the pews with me are four wonderful families. And I know those families because four of them have lost their sons who started smoking marijuana in their, in their uh, mid-teens. And all of them had their sons die before age 23. All of those people were donors to protecting South Dakota kids. Some of them mm -hmm. came up with $100 and said, please do this for my son. This matters. This is a life issue. These are people that matter. And they, fit, they sit in our pews and they are our next door neighbors. And in the state of South Dakota, we lose twice the number of teenage kids or young adults as the national average. And that's just not okay. Mm -hmm. We're a pro-life church. We believe in the dignity and worth, and we believe every one of those people were a child of God. And I don't know what the industry's interest is, but I know what the church's interest is. And I couldn't be prouder of my church, and I can't be more grateful to you, Michael, for helping us as dioceses, both east and west, stand up and get voice. To the, I said from the very beginning, the most important thing that we can do to be successful at this is pray. 
Pray that God gives us wisdom and insight and that we do the right thing to protect our communities. The second most important thing we could do is to engage 500 churches and pastors, Catholic and non-Catholic, to stand up and say, not on our watch and not to our sheep. Yeah, These people matter. And homelessness is not going to go away by by adding marijuana. And you are going to make people healthy, wealthy, wise, or smarter. The drug industry will always tell you, we're going to sell you this product and make you happy, healthy, wealthy, and wise. Anyone that listens to a drug pusher needs to get their head examined. We are the moms and the dads, the grandmas and the grandpas, the pastors, the police officers, and the mental health providers, the teachers and the educators. And we need to say in South Dakota, not on our watch, and I couldn't be prouder of you, nor all of the pastors who had the courage, the courage to stand the gap for the sake of those who who will be spared a life of misery. Um, so well, thank you. Well, I mean, I, I appreciate uh, your expression of gratitude, although I feel like our contributions or my contributions personally are, are minimal compared to what you've uh, put in. And I, I, I liked what you said earlier about um, you know, when I kind of asked you that question about um, marijuana fatigue and the people who, you know, maybe are just kind of tired of hearing about this. And you made the comment uh some of us have to deal with this issue every day. We don't have a choice to, to look the other way. Uh, and I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, you and your staff at Catholic Social Services, you are really on the front lines here, um, uh, seeing how the use of this drug impacts uh, mental health. And uh, um, can you just share maybe a little bit more about what, what the concrete circumstances you're seeing uh, uh, in your clinical practice there uh, for how marijuana is negatively impacting our community? You know, we do on a regular basis, pretty much every week, psych holds for kids and adults in the Rapid City Regional Hospital. You have to understand that they're on overflow, but later, literally they do not have staff anymore um, to man one of the offices, and neither do I. I have got a waiting list of people looking for psychiatric mental health services, and it's flooding. And our Health and Human Services Center in the Yankton, South Dakota, is overfilled. The mental health needs have skyrocketed post-COVID across the board. Our suicide rates have dramatically increased. And so you go in, in one period of time, this is about two years ago, we were doing psychic holds on kids um, from Pine Ridge uh, Reservation. We were doing second, second opinions. And we were going in to do those psych holds. And literally, I said to my staff, after doing about six in a row of kids, two of whom had went psychotic, who had a full-blown psychotic episode, and the only drug in their system was marijuana. I said to my staff, the next time that any of you do a psych hold on a kid um, that doesn't have marijuana in their system, when we te- when, when we read their, their labs, I want you to tell me. We went 45 straight kids. This is a dangerous drug. It is not the drug of the 1970s. It is way higher in concentration. And kids that are getting access to those concentrated forms have three times the the psychotic episodes. And some of those are permanent disabilities of children in our community. So Mm. I'm I'm not going to talk about what it looks like to work with families whose 
I did 11, I met with 11 kids up at the Sacred Heart Center up at Eagle Butte. Um, none of those kids, not one of those parent kids were living with either biological parents mm. for 11 straight kids. And almost all of that was drug driven. In Rapid City, we went 11 straight days in North Rapid and had drug related shootings. This is my hometown. Yeah. Adding an unregulated drug into our community is damaging. We do not need more. We need to clean the water to care for the fish. That's what we're yeah. talking about doing. So, yeah, in a very awesome. real way, but you are with me because I'm going to tell you right now, if it wasn't for the generosity of the people of the Diocese of Rapid City, we couldn't keep our door open. It's well, the generosity of our donors. And it's the commitment that we have to serve the poor. I am overwhelmingly blessed. I'll do Palm Sunday brunch. Um, Governor Rounds will come and speak. We'll have 600 donors that come week after year after year after year. And you want to know what? Every client that we see at JDC, those donors are sitting right in that same room. And they are caring awesome. for a person they'll never know or never see. And it's because of their love for Jesus Christ and his love for them. I sit in a awesome. catbird seat in a privileged way. Wow. To see how God's love well, works. That is very moving. Well, um, we are uh, almost at the end of our allotted time for our radio listening audience, uh, but we're going to continue the conversation with Jim Kenyon. Uh, for those of you who want to hear the unabridged version of our conversation, uh, please visit the South Dakota Catholic Conference website. That is at sdcatholicconference.org, sdcatholicconference.org. We're going to uh, continue on with uh, some great discussion about this important issue. Uh, but also, if you um, if you uh, would like to learn more about Protecting South Dakota Kids, that website is ProtectingSD, as in South Dakota, kids.com, protectingsdkids.com. So again, for our radio listening audience, that's all we have for you for now. Until next time, live well. And God bless you, Michael. Thank you. All right. And for our lucky, uh, you know, uh, podcast uh, subscribers, uh, you you get the unabridged version. So we're going to continue visiting uh, some more with Jim about this issue. Uh, I, I want to circle back and uh, talk a bit more about um, this whole issue of, you know, as I explained in reading that passage from the catechism, uh, this this whole issue of medical marijuana revolves around the issue of is there a legitimate therapeutic use because if there is a legitimate therapeutic use then you can articulate uh, an argument consistent with catholic doctrine um that marijuana use might be um recommended for certain things it it, it at, at the end of the day this really comes down to a question of medical science and what does what do uh, the principles of sound medical practice tell us about marijuana so with that as kind of a setup i want to go back to 2020 the measure placed in front of voters uh, is initiated measure 26 uh and th this was what established the medical marijuana program in south dakota and 
here is what the South Dakota State Medical Association said in a statement about medical marijuana. And I'm quoting, the majority of clinical research has failed to identify a medical use for the drug while showing marijuana to be highly addictive and to have negative consequences. Unstandardized prescribing and documenting, along with the inability to rapidly and effectively detect use or overuse, creates a significant barrier to good patient care. Moreover, non-standardized medical use creates health risks including the possibility of death due to toxicity, drug interaction, or unrecognized adverse effects, close quote. So uh, and I'll be honest, I don't always agree with the statements of the South Dakota State Medical Association, but in this particular case, I read those statements and I said, yeah, um, you know, with, with real medicine when i go and see a doctor and he prescribes me a medicine for some ailment or condition there are precise dosing instructions there's precise standards regulating the purity of the drug to make sure it doesn't have any contaminants or other foreign materials that are going to cause you problems there's detailed cautions about the possible adverse side effects and then instructions for if you experience these adverse side effects what should you do that is the normal world of medicine. By comparison, what we seem to have with the medical marijuana program in South Dakota, uh, I, I call it the Wild West. It's kind of no rules, no standards, just take your chances, best of luck to you. Um, is, is that an accurate depiction of the status quo or do I exaggerate? You know, I think, uh, you know, even, uh, I'll just be realizing, even even some of the, you know, some of the um, medical marijuana businesses are trying to fight back at what they call the bad actors. Um, but that's mm -hmm. the problem. That's really the problem. You know, um, if everybody did things above board and honestly, we could probably figure out how to manage things much more effectively. But the real problem is, uh, and I'll just give you an embarrassing example to me, but a true example. We had someone rent sublease a building for an office space from us. Didn't let us know who they were. This is the business that subleased office from Catholic Social Services. It's called My Marijuana. This group, when you when you take a look at it and you just say to yourself, I cannot believe this, that this happened in the Monsignor William O'Connell Center in Catholic Social Services building. And I am the protector. I am the chair of the protecting South Dakota kids. This industry will do will cease at nothing, at least the worst of the actors, to gain access to our kids. They sell pot tarts. They have no warning labels on their packaging, telling pregnant mothers that they should not consume this product. This group mm -hmm. does not have an interest in the health and well-being of its of its of its of its users many of the best users of this product i see on a regular basis or someone in my office does this is a very cunning manipulative group and they have a primary interest and it's not the health and well-being of our people so i repeat that piece and when you're really asking the question you know um how how do we how do we regulate this in a way there are some products that can be pulled out of out of the product, out of marijuana itself, that have no THC in it, 
that there's medical evidence that it is effective in treating certain disorders and diseases. And to be perfectly honest with you, I think the vast majority of people in the state of South Dakota were thinking about a grandpa who might be dying of cancer in their in, in his dying stages. Somehow medical marijuana might provide some relief to him. That's what mm-hmm. we were thinking. The industry doesn't make money that way, though. The men- industry yeah. makes money in a very different way. And you're right. My mother said to me as a child, Jim, do not listen to drug pushers. This is yeah. not a good idea for you. It's a yeah. very simple thing. You're right. And what just happened with SB1 that passed was we took the regulation of medical marijuana, which was under the Department of Health, and now we've thrown it into the legislature. And I've already told you there's between six and nine lobbyists working that legislature to get access to to our kids, to our families, and to the safety of our streets. We have to grow up now, and we have to be the adults and say no. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm glad you brought up uh, Senate Bill 1 um, because I, I I have some interest in this bill. I, I sat through uh, the first hearing on it uh, in the Senate uh, Health and Human Services Committee. And one of the things I noticed is that it added glaucoma uh, to the list of conditions for which you could qualify for medical marijuana. Well, I have some personal interest in this. You know, I'm not in the habit of disclosing a lot of personal health information, but I happen to have ocular hypertension, which is the underlying condition that if left untreated uh, will lead to glaucoma. And um, I have a wonderful um, eye drop that I take once a day called Latanoprost. There've been billions of doses of this uh, administered over many, many years. It's a very effective medication, no side effects, at least uh, none that that I've experienced. uh, And it keeps my eye pressure under control. So uh, whatever else may ail me, uh, I don't lose any sleep at night about potentially getting glaucoma uh, someday because thanks to the wonders of medical science, But at this hearing, there were two eye doctors who testified and said, please don't add glaucoma to the list. There's no legitimate medical evidence that indicates that this is a good drug. Uh, You know, there's some limited evidence that if you... uh, smoke marijuana that it drops your your eye pressure a tiny bit for a short period of time but the doctors made the point that i i can't remember the exact number but i think they said you'd have to smoke like 15 or 20 joints a day you know in order to actually maintain that consistent reduction of of eye pressure um but anyway, so the testimony was very compelling that there's just no legitimate use for glaucoma. And I was expecting maybe somebody will amend the bill. Nope. It just went out of committee like that, uh, you know, approved. And this is the same committee you referenced earlier in our discussion that's dominated by people who are seemingly very sympathetic to whatever the marijuana industry wants to do. Now, thankfully, um, later on in the legislative process, um, I think it occurred on the in the House side, the glaucoma was dropped. It, it's still a, a dubious bill, but but at least they they dropped that glaucoma. But I think it just points to the hazards of what we've essentially done is we've taken this 
issue that should be resolved by medical science. And we've thrust it into the political domain where elected officials um, influenced by well-heeled lobbyists for the marijuana industry will get to basically call the shots about what conditions qualify for marijuana and what conditions don't. It's a, it's a troubling uh, bed that we've made for ourselves here in South Dakota. So Michael, any thoughts? What you're saying is very, is absolutely accurate. And you're right. It was from the Thompson clinic in Sioux Falls, an expert in one of the most foreign renowned. um, And one of their physicians came in and, and literally he said, suggested even after the meeting, as I visited with him, not only is it not helpful um, to use marijuana if you're if you have glaucoma, it's actually contraindicated. In other words, using marijuana will worsen your condition and lead to blindness. And all that I can tell you is that the, that is one of the examples. I I I work in the area of PTSD. And work with people who have experienced trauma and how they've trotted out every veteran to talk about how, how mer- medical marijuana is will be the revolutionary thing that solves all that ails them. You know, almost any research that you read on that will be very clear about how marijuana is actually contraindicated. You do not give a mood altering, anxiety producing drug to people who have anxiety. I know that seems revolutionary. But you don't it's, it's, actually encourage people to use a drug that creates some paranoia and anxiety. It it provides a temporary relief in that it numbs the brain, but it actually delays the what the processing and work that someone needs to do in therapy to recover from PTSD. Um, but again, they trot out wonderfully sympathetic people um, without really looking at research. And and if you're going to have a medical program. Not having the Department of Health oversee that department. What other drug does the Department of Health and Human Services not oversee? We have to realize this is a sleight of hand trick. And this will not make us healthy, wealthy, or wise. Um, So it's very imperative. And and you're right. Um, As much as the church is accused of being anti-science, it's the industry on this front that's being anti-science. Yes, the church is yes. actually advocating that faith and reason should work together as we consider how yes. to regulate this drug. That's right. Um, that's right. Yeah, the, the, the church is saying if medical science indicates there's a legitimate therapeutic use, then it's morally permissible um, to avail ourselves of these chemical substances. But uh, you're right. It, it's it's uh, it's the other side that seems to just be uh, skirting the medical science on this. Well, one uh, one final thing I want to uh cover in our conversation today. And uh, I, I know I, I, I almost don't want to bring this up because of what I mentioned before about how, you know, some people may be suffering from marijuana fatigue and they'd like to live in a world where we just don't talk about this issue anymore. But a little bit of sobering news is that after last year's defeat of initiated measure 27, the uh, marijuana industry perhaps being a little bit tone deaf uh, to what the voters just said, uh, kind of dismissed the election results as kind of an outlier or an anomaly and committed that they're going to file a new initiative 
to put recreational marijuana back on the ballot, probably in the 2024 uh, election. Um, and they have filed uh, that language. I, I don't believe they have started uh, the signature gathering phase yet, but they have committed uh, that they're going to. So um, it looks like we're going to be uh, having to vote on recreational marijuana once again in 2024. So um, just maybe share a little bit about how you think this campaign will be the same or different uh, from the battle that we just fought on this in 2022. You know, I think along with several other initiatives that will be coming, they'll be very challenging for our church and our community. There are other ballot initiatives I think that we're all aware of related to abortion that are very, very compromising and very, very challenging to human dignity and value. Um, but yeah, the industry will have um, a couple of years of profit from their medical marijuana sales. Um, it will obviously be much more of the local dollars. And also, I think um, one of the things that happened was we kind of sprung up just 100 days before the election. So I don't think that the the marijuana industry was going to was aware that they were even going to have opposition. In fact, it wasn't. But about the day before the, the deadline, the Protecting South Dakota Kids came together. And so 500 donors step forward. But what I am going to say to you is the industry is going to have a lot more money. And if you just leave those of us with a, and, and I use this example, you know, standing on a street corner where they have a megaphone, meaning they'll have millions of dollars to confuse our voters again. This is mm -hmm. going to require again, a significant um, leadership contribution and effort to begin to squelch. And, and what I'm saying to you is I would love to say it won't be it will, that we, but the, but the real challenge is um, evil doesn't take a day off. Evil doesn't <laughs> take a day off. And, you know, it's those days in my life that I'm not really attentive to prayer or the commitments that I need to make in my life um, that somehow I, I think I can take a break from God um, that, you know, oftentimes in a disaster. And yeah. so we, we have to be the parent every day. It's not yes. always convenient, but it is an honor because no one yes. gave us a chance last time. And the truth yes. of the matter is the adults in the room stood up and we're going to need yes. those same adults to be the adults tomorrow. Um, Amen to that. And it's a gift. God has a plan to use you and me to not only avoid evil, but to accomplish the good that he wills. Yes. Um, what a privilege to be a part of the unfolding of creation. Um, yes. Great privilege. And those of us who are parents understand the imperative need for this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and our message, um, you know, within the Catholic church in South Dakota last year, I thought, had such beautiful clarity to it, which is that what we want to see in our state is human flourishing. That's what God wants to see. He wants to see human beings and families flourishing. And we may not have the answers to all the problems that are ailing our marriages and our families, but we can be reasonably sure about one thing, that more addiction, more substance abuse, more toxic chemicals in the bodies, particularly of our developing youth, that is not a recipe for greater human flourishing in South Dakota. You know, of all the things that we may 
doubt. We can we can rest with certainty on this front. And Michael, you made it. You make a great point. And usually, when I do this presentation, I pull up a statue of Michelangelo's David, or I pull up a picture of that beautiful statue of dignity that's in that's in Chamberlain, South Dakota. Beautiful statue. Those are young men. And, that's a picture of a young man and woman. And that's what our vision is for South Dakota kids. Mm-hmm. We believe that God has created them and embedded in them a tremendous capacity for good, an extraordinary beauty. And, and in their hearts and minds, we have to be able to see that inspired vision and to do all that we can to chisel that out or to bring that to fruition. And that is a worthy act. Um, yes. And th- th- that's what, Michael, when you look at your daughters, don't you see dignity? A woman Absolutely. who's standing there holding behind her a beautiful st- uh, a star quilt. And she looks like she's about to soar. Yes. She looks like she's ready to take flight. That we know who's in there. And it's divine dignity. And we won't be satisfied with ourselves nor with our children until in South Dakota we see that take real form. And I'm so grateful to the people of the state of South Dakota for my pastors, for my educators that saw that in me and called that forth like we call Lazarus from the tomb. Be life. Wonderful. 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 Jim, it's been a great discussion. Thank you so much for making time uh, to share on this. Uh, So once again, uh, for our listeners, if you want to learn more about protecting South Dakota kids, if you want to get involved, help support in any way, either with volunteering your time, making a financial donation, whatever the spirit is moving you to do, that website once again is protecting sdkids.com protecting sdkids.com another way you can help is by uh, sharing this podcast uh, with somebody you know maybe you know someone who's kind of you know burned out on the marijuana issue and is thinking you know why do we keep talking about this what's the big deal you know maybe think about sharing this podcast uh, with them you can uh, uh, get this uh, at uh, sdcatholicconference.org so thanks everyone for your time Uh, we'll be back uh, in the near future with some more podcasts uh, diving into other issues that we saw crop up during the 2023 legislative session hope you'll join us for those talks Uh, But until next time, live well.